So then this is the first episode of the Rod and Staff podcast. It's an exploration of faith in a time of crisis and I think we're in a, in a, in a big crisis right now. And the rector of St. George's Parish. How are you doing, sir? Um, at the moment, very well through the grace of God. Yeah. Uh, but of course, the COVID-19 is on our minds. Yes. And so we sort of are living our lives, um, venturing through what um, could be called the Valley of the Shadow. Yes, yes, indeed. And that was a nice little allusion to the, the title of the, <laughs> of the podcast. So, Father Rod, like we, we just want to start things off. Just a, a brief discussion on the importance of connecting with the community while we can't actually, we are being encouraged to distance ourselves from each other. How are you personally um, facing this? What, 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 what are you, what's going on in your head right now? One of the things that I wrote in terms of my thinking yesterday was to ask the question, um, are we called to think of creative ways of being with each other mm. um, that perhaps um, would challenge the habit we have of connecting through hugs and handshakes and kisses, yeah. that perhaps we are called to be community in a different way, and more, maybe more profound and deeper way, because we take things that become habit um, just uh, on a shallow basis. Yeah. We don't really think of the depths of the meaning. So I think we are called to a deep time of reflection mm -hmm. and also creative thinking and discussions about how we best can be a community at this time. Mm. And that even though the word social distancing sounds very terrifying, <laughs> the word social means that in some ways we are still able to make eye contact we're still able to speak, even if it's uh, with, within a meter of one another. Yeah. We're still able to write to one another. So um, all of these things um, are making us really, and challenging us to think much more deeper about the meaning yeah. of community and the meaning of who we are. Mm. Mm. That's, that's a very important point. And then is there any news going on with the, with the parish right now? Uh, what are the measures being put in place um, on Sundays and how are like are we are we still encouraging people to come to church or or what what what's going on with the parish and how are we managing things well one of the things that uh, has happened is that we had when the news broke um, mm -hmm. that this was affecting all of the world as it were on different levels um, and it seemed to be a little wave and now it's yeah. a tidal wave and a tsunami in fact um, that we had to, to sort of get the word out on our tongues mm. and begin to say, so what does this mean for us? Thankfully, at that stage, Archbishop Tabu Mahoba, our Bishop Margaret Mark the Virtue, and also the chapter members, uh, the senior ministers of the, of the Diocese of False Bay, got together and we spoke intensively, taking from um, what we are believed to be credible uh, yeah. sources. One, the Archbishop's uh, paper, two for the Methodist Church, uh, then the Roman Catholic Church, mm -hmm. and eventually one of the greatest source materials is the uh, the President of yeah. Poses. And we, and we also got um, from the South African Council of Churches. Yeah. So the churches were, in my view, in our context, uh, quite um, on the ball. But St. George's also has uh, the wealth of having medical people mm. here. And I need to mention Dr. Dumiti uh, Erasmus, who mm. as soon as it broke, he was the one who contacted me and we've still been in contact. 
and any questions I feel he tries to answer and he gives me information to try and keep me updated uh, to it. And so we were then, um, as it were, propelled into getting as comprehensive a plan as possible. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's no longer a matter of discussion. We've got facts. This thing spread, it infects very ferociously and social distancing is key, washing of hands is key, uh, not touching things uh, yeah. and, and so we implemented this with immediate effect, uh, tried to get people to understand and the Archbishop is very clued up on this and I appreciate that, that the church must not fail to have an open door for some gathering to happen, yeah. some event of worship because this calls the church to deepful prayer uh, deep reflection on its history, on the resources that's available mm. to it in terms of its uh, spirituality and faith, and also how best we can make the ritual that in uh, that sort of the, the symbolism that helps our faith to grow and helps us to celebrate God present with us through the valley of the shadow. Yeah. So we've got hand sanitizers, we've got posters up, we've made Facebook um, um, exploration mm -hmm. to get the message out there. We've had numerous phone calls to find out whether there is church and yeah. I'm very encouraged by that that people are interested to know whether the church will meet mm. for worship and prayer. For me that says uh, a key thing that uh, part of what will help us deal with this pandemic is to be a community at prayer yeah. a community of worship, a community that seeks to listen to God in the valley of the shadow. Mm. Oh, that's, that's So um, are you changing up like how the services are running? Yeah, we, we had a meeting with staff and leadership and um, seriously tried to plan. Um, I think one of the, the things that I came up with was um, how are we meant to be church with all the things that we are yeah. uh, in a new way and yet not forsake our traditions. So we've added more services. This is what's been encouraged by the Archbishop and the Bishop. We've also t um, understood that services ha could be shorter. Mm -hmm. So. Um, Working from now right up to Easter, we have um, rescheduled everything to accommodate um, the, uh, the hundred people if, yeah. if, if, some, if, if so much comes. But also doing that, we've extended um, services, a number of services in order to accommodate um, the amounts we normally get at our services, mm -hmm. uh, but to do it in a very responsible way. and it, and we also um, had to revise our lit lit liturgy in terms of how much time we'll spend together in, yeah. in the service of worship. Okay, no, that's that's all good. So just diving into, um, so pe the church is still open. Uh, there will be more frequent services now. There are three on a Wednesday. Three on a Wednesday, so yes. It's six o'clock in the morning. Nine o'clock in the morning. And half past nine. And half past Seven Sorry, after seven in the evening, yes. <laughs> um, then on Saturday. From next week, from uh, next week the 29th, yeah. we'll, have, uh, we'll have services leading up to Easter on the Saturday at five o'clock. Yeah. A Eucharist, um, within one kind with uh, the, the bread being yes. served. And then we can have three services on Sunday, 7.30, 9.30, and s five o'clock in the, in the afternoon. That will be the pattern going up to Easter. Okay. 
Um, and then obviously we'll share news uh, about the Easter celebrations, Good Friday, as and we Holy, come Holy Week. From Holy Week, from yeah. Palm Sunday to Holy Week, the, uh, the structure will have to be looked at yeah. again. Yeah. Okay, and I mean we could be in a different position when it comes Absolutely. to the infection rate and the virus and the spread and that. Absolutely, yeah. it's it's it's. I think one of the valuable experiences now is to continue listening for updates from the credible sources. Mm. So I tune into the Archbishop's update with Bishop Margaret's um, reference yeah. to, together with uh, Dr. Dimitri to just ensure that we are on the same page with we, we people who, who are on the cold face yeah. are dealing with, with this. Yeah. Cool. So, um, and then with regards to weddings and those sorts of things, what's, what's happening there? Are you having postponements or...? Well, according to the Archbishop's directives and guidelines, yeah. we, we are encouraged to, to postpone the weddings. Now, that's not an easy thing. But let me start with funerals. Funerals, now we don't, uh, we're not, uh, we, we, we're postponing communion, so suspending communion in that regard and having uh, the, the ceremony itself mm -hmm. uh, with the, the, the number limit. And then um, we are also looking at weddings because um, I'm having two this weekend, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm uh, we. There is a sort of a panic in the air because outside venues have also got restrictions placed on them now. Mm. So um, literally, we're having to look at a shortened form, and also in a wedding where you you normally have the symbolic holding of hands and all of that putting on of rings, which we can't restrict. Yeah. It's to ensure we've got the hand sanitizer <laughs> close by. And I've been having But these are people who are, who are promising themselves well, to each other for life. that's the risk they're taking. <laughs> Anyone's going to be quarantined together, it won't well, be there. <laughs> in fact, I've already heard that that has happened in mm. some weddings uh, that has happened in the past week weekend. So yeah, the bridegroom, the bride, sorry, was yeah. apparently... Um, um, tested and she was found positive. Oh wow! So all the guests at that wedding had to be quarantined. To be quarantined. So I'm now hoping in my space it's yeah. not going to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's what it is, then we've got to deal with it as it comes. Yes. No. No. We have to. And I mean, like platforms like these are are, are perfect for for this sort of time because we can share um, what would be going and what people would be coming to church for. Absolutely. Right into their houses. Absolutely. And thank you very much for, for, for tuning in and finding us on podcasts. That is the Rod and Staff podcast on everywhere where you get your podcasts and on SoundCloud and on our Facebook page, St. George's Facebook page. So Father Rodney, just moving into to the liturgy. Um, there, there are a couple of readings and, and, and I can see a thread being, being woven through here. Uh, just just for this Sunday, what 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 is the theme? You want to take us through one of the readings, and then we can unpack it afterwards. I think um, uh, the 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 theme that stood out for me was from John chapter nine, um, the first verse. Mm. Tells the story of this young man um, who was born blind. Yeah, I am um, sort of uh, uh, um, the whole the whole theme of journeying. Yeah, a, a life uh, the, the journey of faith in life for me. Uh, where Jesus is um, reported to have been walking along. Mm. Um, those words tell me that as we are walking along day by day in uncertainty, mm. um, which the psalmist, incidentally Psalm 23 comes yeah. up here, um, he, he speaks of going through a valley. Yes. Uh, so that, that's a journey. Um, we're not stuck in a place of safety and security in this world. We are journeying 
with that experience through valleys of shadows mm. of death. And so Jesus is walking along. God has got his feet on the ground. And um, he's got his senses tuned yeah. into what is happening. He's um, sensing what's triggering the human heart as it listens to life, as it sees life happening, and as it engages life. Yeah. And um, he's not in the boardroom. He's mm. not stuck somewhere with distance. He's among the people. He's among the people. You just want to take us through that, that reading? And yes, and then uh, the next part of it, what I, what I was, was interested in, the way the narration goes, is that yeah. he saw. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I thought, I thought that was very interesting because as you walk along, you see scenes and scenery yeah. um, and, and we wow about buildings and about beauty of flowers mm. and all this. And whilst that would be uh, something that Jesus would celebrate, yeah. he focused on a young man whom he saw had no sight, mm. physical sight. And the narration tells us immediately that this, uh, this illness comes, or this ailment, this condition came at birth. So somewhere the writer had some information, and as he was editing the story mm. um, to reflect um, the, the good news in it, he had brought in some facts about the young man himself. And one could just imagine right now, coronavirus is an unseen disease. Mm. We are literally just looking at numbers, listening to words like testing and quarantine, but we can't see it. Yes. There, there's a blindness in all of this, and it is hindering us. And one can quite imagine how this boy's life must have been from birth, mm. and how he needed help from family members, from parents, who themselves felt helpless. Yeah. God in Christ finds himself in all of this. And then the disciples also notice this, which is good because yeah. it tells me that the church of today, who are the modern day disciples of Jesus, also need to see what's happening, also need to be present alongside everybody else in the world. Mm. And they, they question uh, and in, and the, the, the writer John tells us they call Jesus teacher. Yeah. So when we're dealing with COVID-19, we're looking for facts. We're looking for scientific understanding. We're needing we're needing medical assurance, and all of these need reflection and need people to help us understand. So this is also time of teaching. Yeah. And who better to teach us about life and death? than Jesus, who better to teach us what it means to live in the shadow of death than Jesus. Yeah. And so um, somehow this is a time to sit still and not say, where is God, but Lord, you are here, help us to learn what this is all about. Let's just read through it for, for the people at home. So I've used uh, verses 1 to 7 this week because we shortened a liturgy. Yeah. Um, it starts by saying, as Jesus walked along, he saw a man born, uh, born blind. 
His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. That's, 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 I, I just can't get over <laughs> the, 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 the saliva and the mud and just the time where we are, that we are in where we are actually really discouraged from doing that sort of oh, thing. Okay. I just found that quite, quite, quite funny when I, was, when I was reflecting on it this morning. Um, but yeah, finding, finding God among all of the uncertainty that we are facing now is, is really something that I see a lot of people grappling with. And, and this is just a, a lovely illustration that the blind person doesn't really know they're blind. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, that they, and they haven't noticed the world. Yes. All they may have been able to do was hear. Yeah. And from that perspective, um, take the message into their heart and try to work it out. Mm. But you're right. There is no sight. Yeah. So they don't know what there is. So, so it, it's interesting that the that the disciples are the people to notice and then as well feel um, not not shame really, but um, like they, they they judge the person and it's it's something that that I, that I found a lot now where there's a lot of decisions being taken on other people's behalf, obviously uh, the way our administration is set up, and then within among the community there's a lot of discussions about what you should do when you are quarantine or if people come out to, mm. like there was a family that didn't want to be quarantined mm. and then there were horrible things being said about what should be done with that family mm. um, and and that's so interesting to me that it's always observers that pass judgment yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. the person in the situation might have a different perspective for your point yeah. yeah and I think you I think you're right because um, one of the things that seem to have come out is the question. Mm. It is here, but where does it come from? Yeah. So who sinned? Mm. Who caused this? Exactly. You know, and, but I, I think for me the assurance lies in the, the words. Uh, because we literally don't know what's out there mm. at any given time. COVID-19 is but one of the things the world's experienced over generations. And we don't know what's lined up next, if we survive all of this. Jesus does say, when there is day, we must work. The works of him are sending. But he does not deny the night. Yeah. He says night is coming. So there will be darkness. Mm. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow, there will be darkness. And there will be death. I was fascinated for many years, never saw what the shadow actually meant. Because one was always fixated on death because that's what we fear the most. Yes. And yet it's the perils of death that we suffer with. Yeah. 
yeah. all of the things we have to go through right now. But we can see that Jesus' strategy was to say, blame does not help us. What we can do in the day, we need to do. And so we thank God for people like the medical staff who are on the forefront, yeah. religious leaders who are trying to give guidance to their, to their people. Um, people are saying, yes, we are in it. But as the, the, the psalmist says, when he discovers the power of the shadow of death, he says, I will not fear. Why? Why will I not fear? Because fear has a tendency to point finger at, it's not my fault, you, you do, did this and now I'm in this panic stage. It's interesting that uh, it's a pandemic yeah. which causes panic. And pandemonium. <laughs> and pandemonium. And then as he reflects on this, he says, because you are with me. And even though we can't see God, the psalmist gives us symbolisms of his presence, the rod and the staff. Yeah. So there is something to do, there is something to focus on whilst we are dealing with the shadow of death. But let's not deny night will come. But if we worked in the day, we'll be able to manage the night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm actually a little bit speechless. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the the purpose of this was always to to, to get in, into your process, and I've yeah I've never reflected on on scripture much like that. Um, yeah, I'm actually at a bit of a loss for words. <laughs> it's unlike you. <laughs> It happens. It happens occasionally. <laughs> it happens occasionally. But, but just carrying on, the 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 it's it's important that that there's 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 a journey being referenced. Like as he walked along, and as I walk through the valley, like we are moving from one place to another. And I mean that's just like the phases of life that we go through. Really, we always we learn new things and we have new experiences, and it's all this journey to become the yeah. person that. Like, I, I don't believe that we are meant to be a certain person. I believe that we become. Become. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We, we are, um, um, there, there's always this clash between being yeah. and becoming. And it's both. It is. It is. Because being is the moment. Mm. Becoming is the future. And when you're becoming, then being becomes the past and yet the present. Yeah. And that is why another word that's quite simple in the whole text. Jesus says to him, go. Yeah. A blind man <laughs> must go. And yeah. what he says, directing him to a pool, which he probably hasn't seen. Exactly. <laughs> and then you've got action, personal action, mm. wash. So this tells me that even though um, people may see our, our behavioral changes because of COVID-19 yeah. as being regressive, yeah. yet this narrative says life is never regressive. There's always the call to go forward mm. and to become more than you are in your current state.
And he was literally walking in blind faith. He was walking in blind faith <laughs> and trust. And listening to an, to an unfamiliar voice. Mm. Uh, would he not, if this instruction had come from his mother and father, familiar voices since his yeah. birth, he could easily trust that. But this familiar voice had something about it. Mm. That his parents could not move within him. Possibly. So what was he hearing in the voice through the words he had heard? Why did that voice resonate with his heart? He couldn't see with his eyes. Why did that voice move him to do something that he would probably not have done had somebody else told him to do it? No, I think it was because I don't think he was he was desperate to be hearing any sort of message. I think at that stage in his life he would have more than accepted his fate. Yeah. <laughs> and because I mean the words Jesus utters to him doesn't sound like a miracle. Yeah, go and wash. Yeah, after he put mud and sputum on his eyes, <laughs> go and wash. Why, why did the miracle not happen with the saliva and the mud? Exactly, but it was yeah. part of it. Yeah, but those words go and wash in the pool of Siloam doesn't sound like a miraculous words to me. No. You know, it's, doesn't, it's not spectacular. But, but it's simplistic. Is it, the, is it the test of faith, though? That, that, that's the question that I yeah. have. Well, that's the point. My inner narrative is something I build up mm. that I perhaps will believe if I follow it. Mm. But if it's uninformed, I will be stuck in my inner narrative. Yeah. because I'm not sure I can trust myself. So I need inspiration from the outside. Something in which, in the unfamiliarity of the voice, the message is speaking to my heart, the message I'm longing to hear. Longing that that narrative informs my inner narrative and tells me, you can do something. And so yes, it's a step of faith. You can't do anything without believing that it can be done. No, you can't. <laughs> oh, you can. I've, I've, done a, I've done a couple of weird things in my life. <laughs> but, but, but the thought would have been there. Some initiation of the process would have started yeah. in your mind. Yeah. You know? So that inner process is crucial to our response to what is going on now. And he couldn't respond with his eyes, so the only true response of all of us is from our hearts. Yeah, and through action. And through action. And then talking about responses, you, there was a call to develop a prayer, draft a prayer for, for, the, for, for this time where we live in the shadow of COVID-19. And, and you actually answered the call. Um, do you want to take us through uh, the, the prayer and then what what your thinking was while you were drafting it because like I'm a writer myself so as it unfolds it kind of unfolds in your mind first mm. and then it flows into the page and you just kind of get into this role but uh, so so the prayer goes author of life healer of the nations grant us courage to face our trial give us wisdom to find relief give us faith to be responsible and grant us your salvation 
for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Well, it kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? Yeah. What, what triggered this was a conversation that was held with the bishop and senior priests yeah. asking that a prayer be said that could be remembered and recited mm. uh, from memory as was the prayer of Africa that was written by Bishop uh, yes. Trevor Huddleston. And so I went away with that thought and thinking about the structure and the format and the, the message of uh, God Bless Africa by Huddleston, I, uh, that was the, 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 the kind of model I was looking at. And um, I thought about it very deeply and uh, uh, on the night Tuesday of this week, in bed I was sort of preparing myself to sleep mm. and then these words started coming through and through. Mm. And in my preparing for sleep I kept reciting them so that um, I would remember them in the morning because I was too lazy to write it down <laughs> at that stage. And I recited it for many, many of as the prayer I just recited yeah. and recited and then uh, the morning I put it down in writing as, as I recited it and yeah. received it. Um, while I was lying in bed. Now, of course, uh, if you're composing anything, the fear is that when you put it on the market, is anybody <laughs> interested to read it? Yeah. Anybody interested to use it? Um, and so that's the risk I took. I then sent it to the bishop's office and I sent it to the senior priest mm -hmm. and to um, the person who actually triggered the thought about this type of prayer. And um, I got message from the bishop last night to say thank you for the prayer yeah. and she's disseminated to the diocese. You know, if my colleagues use it, well, praise be to God. If they've got something else, mm. thanks be to God as well. But we will certainly be using this in our services. Okay, and, there and are, are there any themes that people can maybe pull off of this and develop their own prayer? Like my son does this really cute thing. Uh, they actually had a tragedy at their school. One of his classmates, um, she, she drowned two weeks ago. Um, that was an incredible tragedy and now every night he, he makes up a prayer for her. And it, I mean he's four years old so it's always going to be <laughs> and yeah disconnected ideas. Um, but usually I think that, that it's easy to, to go into that quiet time where you feel the overwhelming need to, to pray but then the words never really come to you. Mm -hmm. So it's always nice to, to have a starting point like this and I mean, this will become an ongoing theme throughout throughout this series of podcasts, and as you said, through our, our liturgy in the church. Um, are there any other themes that people can maybe focus in on uh, while they're getting prayerful? I think that um, uh, as the narrative unfolds mm. uh, on a day-to-day -day basis um, with COVID nineteen now being the key focus of, I mean, we're not talking about wars anymore. Yes, we're not. We're trying to avert. Uh, racism. Yeah. We're not even thinking about xenophobia uh, because this has affected all of us. We're even encouraging xenophobia in some we, in some cases. Self isolation <laughs> and quarantine. Because they they're putting up a fence um, at the at the border with Zimbabwe. Yeah. Like British has been pushing through this. And it's, <laughs> it's so the themes are there as we listen to the daily narrative. Mm. I mean, one of the key things that I think um, I, uh, that, that, that forms part of this uh, prayer is, was faith and responsibility. Mm. We so often say we believe, 
but that's abstract um, when it's like no no don't worry about corona uh, god will take care of us yeah well that's irresponsible faith as far as i'm concerned yeah. god wants to work with us on on this plot so we have to have so i've learned now a new way of understanding faith that faith as it seeks to understand also becomes responsible mm. uh, to the task at, at hand so so certainly looking at that area of responsibility um, as i learn the facts i apply it that the god who is journeying with us um, enables me to see it in a light so that it's for the common good of all whatever action i take yeah. And I think the other theme was coming came from 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 one of the um, medical people in the parish who works at Tigerberg, and of course we know that they are a centre for quarantine yes. and testing. Yeah. And I heard this professional nurse say to me, in a very she, she's normally soft spoken, and she said to me, "Father, please pray for us." So she wasn't looking to get off the the border. Yeah. Of this incident, she's saying, "What I know is going to help me is to be prayerful." So it's again the whole area of faith and responsibility. Yeah. And then I think the other thing that we are we we probably would, I mean, I as when I say when I say author of life, mm. who who is the one for me that narrates life generally? I may say he's narrating my life, but yeah. he's not narrating my life without narrating your life. Yeah. He's not. He's, he's narrating all of yeah. life. Why would he? Why would a chapter like COVID nineteen come into this narration of life? Mm. <clears throat> what What are we needing to do about a chapter that sort of takes us off the secure path of of just being and becoming, uh, making sure our money goes up and we learning new things yeah. and we living comfortably now. Almost all our future dreams are literally being shattered. This, this is true. I, it's, it's, it's kind of oddly Darwinian, where, where we we being confronted with this thing that is just taking all the societal systems that we've built up and just breaking it. <laughs> yeah, and Absolutely. and we're starting to to notice where. I mean, the the people most affected. Uh, this is just my 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 own interpretation. Uh, the people most affected by this are people most vulnerable are people in non-essential jobs, and we we have this whole economic system that has been built to create non-essential jobs, to put money into the hands of consumers, to then purchase things that are non-essential. Yeah. And and it's it's it's, it's so. I was reflecting on it a couple of days ago when I was drafting a statement for one of my clients. Um, we've now been moved to basic hygiene. Nothing else can work right now. Nothing that there's, there's not a cell phone app. There's nothing that we have created in the not last. Not a nuclear bomb. Because <laughs> the last time we had something like this was like the Spanish flu, which yeah. was at the end of like World War World War One, when the soldiers were coming home. And there, I mean, the, the medical conditions were quite terrible then. And then everything we've built up, all the technology we have invented since then, mm. like nothing can help us. We just have to 
love amongst each other, be mindful and just wash our hands. And, and I think the simplistic things, mm. um, uh, our, our wanting to hoard and be consumeristic, yeah. we now realize that the junk we've built up mm. really is not what life is about. Is there an undergirding message here from the author of life that is saying, guys, learn from this? Yeah. Um, the power of life does not lie in your hands. You can do stupid things mm. that can cause ramifications. But even when I allow that into the script, the author of life says, I have to then help you to rewrite how you ought to live as yeah. you go through this. Because when one reads about the Valley of the Shadow, um, there is that sense in which we will get through it. Mm. How and when, we, we, don't know, we don't know. But when we get through it, there's going to be something for us that we can, that is prepared for us, not that we have prepared. So is the undergirding message that we have to take notice of because I, I've said in the recent sermon for example COVID-19 is giving us first it gave us guidelines yeah so it says like now use your mind and apply the mm. guidelines now we are learning it's directive so it's becoming almost legislative yeah. in fact the DOS disaster management act is determining that so if we fail to to have a hundred people here we have 200 people here yeah. we like <laughs> against a law. Yeah, last night um, there was a press conference and it was <coughs> stated that the rights have been suspended. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Which is scary when you think about Very it. Very scary. <laughs> but there will be people who will chance breaking the law, you know, and, and so we've got to be very vigilant about yeah. that. But the point I was making was week after week when we preach the gospel, mm. the gospel is calling us to change, yeah. to become better yeah. in the process of becoming. Yeah. And yet, we don't often take that call for change. Yeah. Now, this is serious because this is a life and death issue. Yeah. Why do we have to wait for a life and death issue before we change? Well, Lent going to Good Friday. Yeah. The cross faces us of the life and death issue. The death was in the sword and spears and the nails of of of, of the, the perpetrators. Mm. But the one who was victim bled out forgiveness, sought to reconcile family and care for one another. What was he calling the world to then? And what are we being called to now through COVID nineteen? that resembles the cross and the crucified Christ. Wow. That's, that's been an excellent first episode of Rod and Stuff. Um, I look forward to talking to you on Wednesday. Well, thank you, Lindsay. This is your initiative, and I honor you in all of this, and may God be honored in all of it with us. We'll chat to you guys next week.